0: Good morning, Ned. Ciao, Davide. Where are you? I'm in Catalika, where it's currently 15 degrees and overcast. Rain is forecast for midday and will persist throughout the afternoon, sadly. At the moment, there's light traffic on all approach roads to the centre and temporary parking restrictions in place along the Via Fiume and the Via Violante del Prete for the arrival of the Giro d'Italia. It's 6.42am. Here's Daryl Hall and John Oates.
1: Never Stray's Far is brought to you by Chapter 3 and the Roadbook. Chapter 3 was created by David Miller in 2015 with
0: the vision of creating cycling clothing that he would wear as a retired racer. Now they've made cycling kit to meet you wherever your ride takes you. And the good news, it's launching
1: next month. In 2018, a team of dedicated enthusiasts delivered the inaugural edition of the Roadbook Cycling Almanac, an annual publication supplying data, essays and anecdotes from the racing calendar. The Roadbook has become the definitive companion of any serious fan of the sport. Documenting how the season bounced back from the pandemic, the latest 2020 edition has arguably never had such an important place on our bookshelves.
0: Between us, we're giving away four full sets of Chapter 3's new kit, two men's and two women's, as well as four signed
1: copies of the 2020 Roadbook. Plus, four sets of caps and socks with RB, exercise book and musette, bookmark as a secondary prize. All you have to do is head to the episode notes and click the link. How's Italy, Ned?
0: Oh, repetitive, David. I was just commenting, actually, that um, every... I'm very conscious because we meet on Zoom that every single one of my rooms looks like a carbon copy of the last one. They do that thing in in relatively inexpensive Italian hotels, don't they? Of It's a kind of... I, I'm not sure what to think about it. They never had... Your rooms are never—they're not soft furnishings, are they? They're always quite hard. Like they're always tiled. That's what I'm trying And it's kind of so. It's, like is, it sounds easily ec- washable, yeah.
1: Ned. It's, it's cleanable. No, uh, it's just practical then. Yeah, it's just it's just purpose. Oh. It's purpose-driven design. It's Functional. Jiffy well, I hadn't realised that. I think right. buckets. You probably right. Yeah, probably right. yeah. just yeah. get all the filth of you dirty people out of there. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm quite, quite cool. it, You know what? I missed the race yesterday and I'm gutted. I was I'm actually full busy and working all the time and I didn't get a chance. And so which is really annoying because it looked like it was an amazing race. It was an amazing race. It was an amazing day actually. It was kind of
0: um we were up in the North Apennines in Emilia Romagna so um Thousand meters of altitude, kind of getting there, aren't we? Getting into the getting into the hills. It's, it's kind of it's a remarkable thing, the Italian Peninsula, isn't it? With its spine yeah. of mountains all the way down, and also the way <coughs> as you move to the coast, by and large, as soon as you drop out of the Apennines, especially in the north, it just flattens out to absolutely pan flat, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and the yeah, strip of kind of coastline is 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 extraordinary, especially on the Adriatic, right right where we are now. But it was pretty lumpy yesterday in Sestola,
1: I went for a run in the morning. Oh, yeah, you had your run. Tell me about this because you made sure that I brought this up yesterday well, after your run. Yeah, it I mean, kind of- it, was
0: a, it was a kind of, um, it was a reconnaissance run. So the hotel we got was, if you watched yesterday's stage, it was um just in the little village of Fanana, which was um, the foot of the climb, of the final climb up to Sestola. And um, when I got out in, in the pouring rain, after we'd done our podcast, that so seven o'clock in the morning, I went out for this run, and there were two ways I could have run out of town, both of which kind of went uphill because Fananas in a little dip, and both of which had sort of pink bunting and balloons, you know, um, leading out of town, um, festooning. But they hadn't yet put the the arrows to suggest exactly or to indicate exactly which way the the, the the was the route of the Jira. So I had to guess. So I followed the road signs to Cestola and went out of town on that one and thought, oh, this is great. This will be the climb that they'll do later. And, it, and I kind of ran steeply uphill up this road and kind of trucks and farming material and all this sort of thing were coming down the road in the opposite direction, nearly wiping me out. The rain got a little bit heavier. The road got steeper. I got more tired. But I had my got a new little digital watch that I bought myself and I thought, I want to run for half an hour and then turn round, And I ran for half an hour, all the way around about three and a half kilometres up this climb or something like that, got to my kind of turning round point. And at that point, I thought, actually, I'm really quite cold now. It can't have been more than about six degrees. And as I turned around, suddenly the rain got really heavy. You know when, you know, you think it's raining, and then suddenly it really rains. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a just a wall of cold, wet rain started to fall on me. And... Out of nowhere, the wind started absolutely howling as well into my face, and I thought, I thought I, I'm actually going to have to sort of push on here on the descent, so to speak. Otherwise, I'm going to completely freeze.
1: I expect you were I, you were wearing your normal um, high tech sportswear as well, so you were prepared for conditions like this.
0: I, I had a I had a I had a a, sh- a shirt and a pair of shorts. That was it. <laughs> absolutely, I was so I've never been cold on a run before like that, just because mm. of the the rain. But as I approached, as I got close to the outskirts of town again, and I was running as fast as I could just to stay warm, I, I suddenly became aware that, and you'll identify with this, because I'm kind of traveling on every night and I'm occasionally every day pretty much going for a run, I'm having to wash my, wash my running kit in, in, in the day actually,
1: <laughs>
0: of every hotel room. And I just use a bit of shower gel to clean it, you know. And what I'd obviously done is I hadn't quite rinsed all the soap Oh, out no. of my, ru- you can see what's coming, right? Out yeah. of my running kit, and I looked down, and my legs were just awash with foam. <laughs> my oh. my shorts and my shirt had just started to kind of create huge volumes of soapy suds that oh. were just kind of like streaming down my legs, and it was incredibly embarrassing. I was running through town, and people were sort of staring at me. Because I just looked like the abominable snowman or something. I was just oh this is kind of... <laughs> and also, also, what was I doing running at half past seven, quarter to eight in the morning in this atrocious weather? I think I was the only person
1: in Italy running yesterday. So it was one of them, really. Well, that's of kind of... That sounds like what the race looked like for most <sighs> of the people out there yesterday. When I looked through the reviews and the, the pictures, it looked like a savage day. I mean... Yeah, for a, for a lot of it, we didn't get any
0: pictures at all. Because Rai managed to lose the signal for the best part of two hours at the beginning.
1: Oh, seriously? Yeah. Because well, I read the reports. I mean, it said that it was pretty flat starts and then 25 riders got, it. but it was a quality 25 riders that went, you know, it wasn't like an, an average group really. But then yeah, it just seemed like the but- day was just a death march behind. Oh
0: yeah. It was grim. I mean, the 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 break when it went, it was really strange how it ended up such a big breakaway. It took ages really. Mm. Um, to form and it and it took a long time to identify who those twenty five riders were. I sometimes marvel at, I mean, just for us, but I sometimes marvel at the um, the peloton's ability and the road captain's ability to know who's gone up the road, especially when everyone's in rain capes and stuff. And it yeah, must be true. must be quite dicey sometimes, so, you know, just to be certain that somebody really important hasn't snuck up the road, especially this G- early on in the race where GC is so compact.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's often in the past and races, Grand Tours, or some. A rainy day in the first week on a long day, where something the GC gets up, uh, up turned upside down for that very reason, is a a rider sneaks in there. But I think it's, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, if if you're a road captain and on days like this, this is where you really come into your own. You've got to be at the front. There's no day off. You're just like sitting there monitoring everything and often leaning on the other road captains as well, your friends, and trying to just everyone just trying to pick out who's up there, who's doing what, and and you also try to read whether other teams kind of how they're reacting to things and and as you said often that because the race radio won't really know what's going on because equally for them it's hard to spot what riders are going up the road the numbers are very visible it's not until they get up there and can actually see it and ride side by side and see the bike numbers so you're right it is very chaotic and that's probably one of the reasons it took so long to go because there was just nobody really knew what was going on so it's um those days are they're they're horrible i mean they really are they're just the the days that we all dread or i used to dread thankfully no more
0: yeah, yeah. I suppose back in the day when you were a road captain, that was part of your job. You must have p- actually been able to identify Tony Gallopan attacking.
1: <laughs> it's true. It was the actual job, <laughs> to be able to recognise people. But yeah, but maybe I mean, he it's looks,
0: Oh, that's the point. Maybe he looks different from the back. Maybe uh, he looks really identified, because you would have seen him from the back. Because we yeah, only ever has, see him in commentary, attacking true, from the
1: front. from an elevated position. Oh, ah, yeah, that's so, true, you know, yeah. But yeah, no, no, that's true. On the actually, Gallopan from behind on a bike is, is very... Uh, identifiable. He's got a very uh, Ga- notable pedal style. Galaponian yeah. pedalling style. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> quite good actually, isn't it? <laughs> Galaponian. Yeah, I, so
0: I tell you he's got a really smooth pedalling style, David. And um, that's
1: Ryan Tarame. he? Tarame. So he's a Mesa Estonian rider. Yeah. I don't remember back in the day, so it would be 15 years now. Maybe, maybe not that. Well, maybe that long ago. Um, that he came on the scene. Getting on for that. Yeah. He yeah. came on the scene and he was, I remember thinking, I kept thinking he was just going to turn into this amazing kind of world beater, but it just never quite happened over his career. But he's, but it was for that. That was one of the very reasons, Ned, because he was at the front in races where a young guy shouldn't be. And he just looked so effortless and smooth on the bike. Um, sadly, it just, like many riders, it, it never came to anything.
0: He's got a lot of souplesse, huh? <laughs> souplesse exactly uh, no he looks really he just looks really good anyway he found himself going on to the I mean let's just there's so much to talk about in this stage but so let's just pick out a couple of details really because Ryan Tarme found himself um, off the front with a lead of kind of one minute and ten seconds the, the break was going to stay away clearly because they'd built up a you know the bunch had allowed them an eight minute gap getting to the foot of the final climb up to Sestola Ryan Tarme had um, was the virtual Malia Rosa starting the day 57 seconds down. But I mean, a 25 man group, there were all sorts of riders who are also in contention, who are around about that kind of ballpark figure. Um, Tarame found himself in a little pair with Chris Juliensen, the um, Irish stroke Danish um, domestique from Bike Exchange, who's never had the opportunity to try and, you know, win a Grand Tour stage. Huge motivation for him. But Tarame had the most to, to win. Out of that, uh, out of that little pairing, because he could have, in theory, taken the stage. Um, he's actually won two stages of the Giro in the past, going back. I think the most recent one was in 2016, and uh, you're alluding to, I think, his Vuelta stage win, which was a long time ago now, when he was a very
1: young yeah. rider, was riding even Harry niece just in his very first uh, uh, year. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. just not winning stuff, but just noticing him at the front. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, he. Um, it didn't work. He got his his, his for all his supplese the. Um, eventually the legs fell off a little bit. I mean, which is entirely understandable, but it was, was, I was willing him on really because he's a lovely bloke as well. I remember a few years ago, I went to commentate on the Arctic race of Norway. I remember um, when you did that. Yeah. And the day before the race got underway, I I can't really remember why. (laughs) The race organization flew me, John Dagenkopf, and Ryan Tarame onto a little island just off the coast of Norway by helicopter. Interesting. And then, and I, I, don't, I can't really remember why. And then turned around, dumped us on this uninhabited island with a ruined abbey on it. And then turned around and flew back to the mainland to pick a couple of other people up. So for about half an hour, me, John Dagenkop, and Ryan Tarame were on this deserted island just off the coast of Norway with nothing much to say to each other. John Degenkolb, was, John Degenkolb was John was being super sulky, actually. We couldn't get a word out of him, which meant that which meant that <laughs> yeah. me and Ryan Taname, who'd won the race the previous year, were just chatting about this, that, and the other
1: for I half an hour. I can just imagine Dagenkopf just like, he probably didn't want to be the, at the race in the first place, roped into oh. a race, probably just wanted to stay in his bed and, and cruise social media and yeah. just do nothing. And then he's told he's got to get on a helicopter and go to a random island with, with some, British, and Ryan with some British commentator who loves speaking German. Who, <laughs> who like oh god not that guy again <laughs> oh no i think you've just nailed it he's like just don't talk to him don't engage him don't engage him because he's going to be no way too contact. friendly no, <laughs> no eye contact. contact
0: no eye contact no eye contact
1: <laughs> don't make him speak German. just
0: stare out stare out to the horizon <laughs> don't look don't look inland at all just keep your eyes firmly <laughs> on the horizon leave him for a
1: you just oh, like God. keen, eager little German-speaking puppy, wanting to just like <laughs> chew his Hi. ear off. Hi, John.
0: Uh, okay, hello, Ryan.
1: Hi, Ryan's <laughs> dead. Just it's, it's like he was a, my
0: he was my Plan B. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that looks bad. Nice. He's really, he's a really nice guy. Turns out he's a really nice guy, and on that particular day, slightly nicer than John cop. <laughs> For that reason, I wanted him to win the Malia Rosa
1: <laughs> and the stage because he spoke to you on a foreign lost <laughs> island he in the North Atlantic. Spoke to me <laughs> oh god! Oh, well, oh, there you go. Commentator bias coming through. A little bit. It comes from the strangest places. Ah, yeah. Demarkey. Yeah.
0: Demarkey took the jersey. Mm. In the end, he finished second on the stage. Joe Dombrowski won the stage, which is pretty cool. Yeah, do I, you know when it? I
1: saw that, I was like, absolutely him, shocked. I do know yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. He's a Girona-based American, isn't he? He was. And he was like, kind of, I didn't even know uh, this. I didn't even know he's still racing, to be frank. Um, but he, he came and he won the, the Baby Giro, which is a yeah. very prestigious amateur race or under-23 race back in 2012, he, I think. Piccolo Giro. Piccolo Giro, Piccolo Giro Piccolo. in 2011 yeah. or 2012 and then he went straight to Team Sky I think and mm. and he was a but he was one of those riders that was an absolute weapon going uphill but just couldn't ride his bike anywhere else he crashed a lot he looks really rigid going downhill so which you can get a, get away a lot when you're a, a, an amateur because you can just ride away from people so easily or so strong but once you get to the pros you've got to be able to Rip down descents, handle crosswinds, ride in the flat, hold your own. And, and, and I think that was a real problem for Dombraska in those early years. So, although he had all the data, he was a fantastic climber. He just wasn't able to look after himself well enough in the peloton. And his, and his career just slowly fizzled out. And, and add to that, he was, I mean, you'll understand this. And he was a, a classic sort of, um, American, uh, pro cyclist, modern new wave who was all kind of, uh, left liberal, arty, creative, um, mm. lovely, but perhaps a little bit fragile for the kind of the knocks he was taking. And I think it's taken him a while to really kind of rebuild his career and kind of grow into himself and mature to be able to handle it. And it's, so I was wonderfully surprised to see him do that yesterday because I'll be honest, I'd written him off a while ago.
0: He looks on the bike. Yeah, you're right. He, he does fit the mold of that kind of slight, um, Quirky. East Coast kind of, um, yeah, they're very thoughtful, they're very earnest, a lot of the American writers. Super riders. Ch-
1: earnest, you're right, that's
0: Chad, ha- Chad Hager's a bit like that as well, isn't he? Super yeah. bright. Well, do you remember we we met him and he, yeah, yeah. he just lovely. on stage in Harrogate and he played Rachmaninoff perfectly.
1: Incredibly sort of um, quirky, sincere.
0: Yeah. So, no, no, it's really nice. I think a lot of people felt that way and pleased for mm. Joe and he did it. He executed it brilliantly. I mean, he dropped... So the, anyway, you know, that, that front pair of Juliensen and Tarame were eventually caught by Alessandro Dombrowski and Joe Dombrowski on his wheel. And Dombrowski went over the top of Dombrowski and mm. rode away. Um, he actually, Dombrowski, he was only 20 seconds. If, he, if, if, the, if the climb had gone on for a kilometre or so longer, I think he would have taken the jersey as well. He was, he was pretty close. Yeah. Um, but, he, but he took the stage win and um, gave a very thoughtful interview afterwards. And then Dombrowski rolled in in second place. And uh, took the jersey for the first time in his career, Alessandro De I it
1: incredibly emotional for him. Like, really I emotional. The, I saw the post-race images.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And he gave a really good, he speaks very good English, um, mm-hmm. Alessandro De Marchi, having ridden, you know, in an Anglophone team for a number of years and BMC where, where they, they all spoke English, didn't they, with Quinsato and people like that. Big, big part of um, their team time trial machine mm. back in the day and also a rider who uh kind of made getting in breakaways his his kind of like hallmark
1: didn't he, in, in he and did. he, he was i mean really well as well that he, in his early career it looked like he'd become one of those um kind of uh mountain jersey chasers at grand tours because he just he would repeatedly be in these huge breaks um but then and i think he was then hired what was he was on liquid gas wasn't he? And then, then look, at forward and he went to BMC and then it kind of is, his career sort of fizzled a little bit. Um, so yeah, and he's, he's really been one of those journeymen kind of, not in the sense that he's kind of bounced between many teams. He's always been on great teams, but he's just kind of never really found that niche in the sports. And even said, even said in his interview, I think that it's been 11 years of trying to kind of, to pull off what Crazy. he did yesterday. Which is quite an amazing thing to to kind of say, and you suddenly realise how much that's been eating into him over time.
0: He's a great, as he proved yesterday in the breakaway. By oh, what was so smart was, for a long time, it looked like Ryan Tadame that group was going to stay away because the gap just they couldn't close the big chase group that grew, shrank, grew, shrank. They couldn't, they weren't closing the gap at all, and they seemed to be completely disunited. But I think with hindsight the really smart thing that demarkey did was didn't do too much work himself contributed you know contributed but not excessively so he's holding something back but he kind of he 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 kept them going you know so that they didn't give up so he flipped the switch every now and again and the other riders who could have taken the jersey nelson oliveira valerio conti demarche just kind of teased them into contributing every now and again and kind of kept it kept it kept it in the mix knowing that if they get to the foot of the final climb, I think with, with, a, with a, a minute or something, probably with one big acceleration, he can get across to these, this pair who are tiring. <clears throat> and, and with hindsight, I think that was, he, he managed that situation without panicking in that chase group. Um, and it's all that experience and all that technical mouse, I think. It was hard to sort of see. We didn't see much images of that. But with hindsight, I think that's what, it's probably what was going on with Demarkey because he's smart.
1: Yeah, it's, and that's, those years of experience of being in breakaways it's there is a, a definitely an art form to it and and i guess we saw it with taco vanderhorn as well the way he rode that breakaway if you yeah. <clears throat> if you want to go for the win or pull off a result you've got a it's a race within a race a lot of the riders in the breakaway that when they're, once they're there they treat that as the race completed they're just gonna they know it's not gonna last they're, they've done their work for the day and it's it's written off yeah but you'll often find one or two riders in that breakaway who genuinely believe it's possible and who play a very different tactical game within it than anybody else. And clearly that's what Demarkey was doing. He got in it, he could see the opportunity, especially in a bad weather day like that as well. You know that it's it's been uh, incredibly difficult for the break to form. You know it's going to be really hard behind. And all of a sudden, he, although at the start of the day, he wouldn't have been expecting it to work. As the day unfolds, you start to go, hang on a second, this is the day. This can happen.
0: Uh, not only this is the day, but this is how it's going to happen. Uh, and... and- <laughs> What was very revealing uh, in the interview he gave at the end was he said, and I've not heard a writer say this before, he, he said, I actually started to think about the Malia Rosa a few days ago. Mm. For, for which for which I read, um, he, he produced a really good individual time trial in Turin that put him in a position to take the jersey today, right? Mm. So even when he was on the start ramp in Turin, he was thinking about today, you know, or yeah. yesterday, I should say, into, into Sestola. You were saying the other day in this excellent podcast, morning show that we produce every day um you were saying david miller that a lot of riders just open the road book and go oh it's that today you know they're they're not looking strategically four days ahead the mark was on the start ramp in turin he was thinking about the finish line in sestola Mm. like i mean literally that's he was thinking if this happens and then that happens and then that happens i take the jersey in sestola that's, yeah. It was really interesting, you know, That was uh, that's the difference in some ways.
1: It is really interesting. So it's, you're right, I mean, there are there's so many different races always going on within the race. And when you see that kind of, st- I've been in that situation before where you you kind of get it and you, you have a good result and then you look a few days ahead and you look at the results and you see the riders in front of you and around and you think, actually, something could happen here. And so then you have to re- change your kind of what you're doing. And, and often you You'll keep it to yourself. You don't make a big deal out of it, but you just, you're just watching the race unfold around you and just hoping the stars align. Uh, and, but as you say, you sometimes you gotta, you gotta force that alignment. And that's what DeMarkey's done. So it's a, it's a fantastic ride and, and one well deserves. And I think the whole Peloton will be over the moon because he's, he is really liked. He's well known. He's, a, he's a lovely character. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's great.
0: There was some there was some hilarious podium nonsense yesterday in the podium uh, ceremonies, David. Because you know on days where the race just shatters into bits. um, By the way, we're we're just glossing over the fact that there was quite a GC battle. Uh, Let's just let's just (coughs) gloss that. Who cares about that? Details, details. Look at the results yourself. Go on. Some stuff changed. Remco lost a few seconds, but not much. Anyway, um, yeah, on days when the race in the mountains just blows to pieces. Very often the podium, the podium ceremony is kind of held up or can be because the, the points leader is kind of miles down the road. (laughs) You have to wait half an hour for, for Tim Malia to come in. Um, and they didn't, to be fair, they didn't wait for Tim Malia to come in. I mean, eventually he was on the podium, but in terms of live television, they thought, nah, we're not waiting for him, but we should probably put. Another, you know, so they had the King of the Mountains, they had the stage winner, they had the Malia Rosa and the white jersey. And they thought, well, let's, let's put something else on the podium that we don't normally put on the podium as well to, to fill that gap that Tim oh no, oh left. No. So, so they, so, so they put the, um, so the, the team's classification at the Giro is called the Super Team. They put the Super Team. But they couldn't, they couldn't be bothered because it's quite complicated. It changed today in terms of the f- top three in the general classification for the team. That's how it's calculated. They couldn't be bothered to sit down and work out who was the super team, <laughs> who, who was actually leading the team classification. Why be accurate? So they <laughs> they obviously just looked round at the finish line and went, hey, you guy, and you guy, and you guy. And they chose three guys, including Ryan Tarame from Anta, Marche, Go Gobert, and just stuck them on the podium. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, just that'll do. They had a good day, didn't they? Call them the super team. I mean, the fact that they're not the super team, that's UAE team Emirates, doesn't matter. So there were three, they looked so bemused. I mean, Tarare just looked shattered. <laughs> and his teammates just looked confused. Why are we standing here?
1: That's so bad. And
0: why, why is our team bus already left and we're going to have to get, get in the back of the car?
1: You know, what? the, the, <laughs> the team classification, that was something that certain races do where they, they want you to go on the podium and, and celebrate it. Obviously, it's let's face it the crowd doesn't really care it's because the sponsor wants has got that in their contract that they want somebody on the podium every day for so um and it would often happen you'd like have people in the bus and it's uh then there'll be a knock on the bus door and some the director of sportif for the, the team helper would come and look around and go we've got team <laughs> classification all right who wants to go today and it's a, uh, it would be like just everyone's just like eyes down. It's like not me, not me. Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. Look
0: at the horizon. Uh, don't look in land. Look at the horizon. Like John golfs
1: with Ned yeah. bolting <laughs> yeah. on a, some Scandi Artil island. Well, I bet Ryan will do it. Ryan, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan. Right, right, right. He's too tired. He doesn't know what he's doing. Just tell him he's got to go. It's like, but it, that's what happens. I and mean, the three riders kind of get, they kind of skulk out of there. And it's like, it's almost like it's the race isn't finished. And they're taking one for the team. And everyone's like patting them on the back. It's like, thanks, man. You go for it. You got this one. <laughs> It's like we'll go next time. It's like the team classification is just, oh, no one really cares about it unless it's the Tour de France. Apart from that, only two teams like it there. Uh, uh, uh,
0: But I mean, (laughs) but in this case, in this case, it was a doubly, it was triply insulting, wasn't it? (sighs) it? Because they weren't, they're not leading the team classification.
1: That's just the beauty of it. Because it's kind of they were just filling in. It's (laughs) a sort of mystery classification anyway. And if you're so tired after a day like that, you might just very well think, oh, maybe we have got it. We better go. It's like you're totally bewildered. It's like yeah, just do yeah. what they say. And that's what they took total advantage of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just take them. I mean, there are so many classifications every day. You know, there's the general classification, there's a there's the um there's a points classification, the mountains classification, the white jersey classification, there's the intermediate sprints classification that doesn't have a jersey. There's also the fair play prize. Ah, uh,
1: is that points fair play?
0: It's 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 um Is it quantified? Kind of in, in, yeah, it's um, how many how many fines you get from the UCI. You know, oh. if you don't get any, you win the, fa- you know, you win the fair pay prize. Um, and there's the breakaway prize. Uh-huh. I, I haven't really got my head around that yet. I don't know. I suppose it's just numbers of kilometers in the breakaway. And I think Andrea Taglioni is leading that. the combination, from Androni combination prize? No, yeah. I don't think there's a combination That's prize. And then my favorite.
1: We just super do s- team. Every dinner, no just under. sitting there trying to work out the combination prize. How they Well, the, the, the Vuelta, it's just Valverde, isn't it? It's just the yeah, Valverde just prize. permanently. Yeah. I can't remember. It was one, once a year, they just, in combination, it was just the accumulation of all the points across everything. And so it would just be like thousands of points and your position added into it and different things. And it was just like, oh God. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, the old classifications. What
0: else is going on, Neb? What else is going on? Well, um, uh, it's stage five, David. Mm-hmm. The, today's stage. Today's yeah, stage. Yeah, what is today's stage?
1: Horrendous. Oh, oh, actually, can I just go over something? Because yeah. there was the debate of whether yesterday was an uphill or a summit finish. Oh yeah, which one is?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Still can't
1: decide whether it was an uphill. I can't or a summit decide. Finish. I can't what decide. About, what about what about Matt Stevens? What did he think?
0: I asked him actually, and he said uphill. Really? But I had a I had a degree of summit finishing about it. Oh no, his rationale was that you go over the top of the climb, and there was a two-kilometer descent, so it couldn't be a summit finish. So that was a slightly <laughs> different. it was of a slightly o- different overhill over- finish. An overhill finish? Yeah. Yeah, it might oh, have been. Oh, I couldn't oh. make my mind up. So then I thought, well, what do we call in the Tour de France? What do we call La Planche des
1: Filles? Do we call that a summit finish? That's a summit finish. Is it? It's like the first summit finish a couple of times. We'd actually say the first summit finish, no? Yeah. Well, if that's a summit that finish, then Sestola
0: is kind of a summit fi- Is a summit finish.
1: It's a summit finish.
0: I think it was a summit. I think it was a summit finish. Okay. Oh, by the way, I, I, looking in the rule, rule book yesterday... Um, I found this wonderful uh, article about, it's called Article 29 about disputes, right? This is really good in the English because it's translated on one side in Italian and on the other side, it's got the English translation. Okay. Article 29 in the regulations says, any dispute concerning the awarding of special prizes shall fall within the, within the scope of competence of the 104th Giro d'Italia management. That in itself is a (laughs) scope of competence is questionable, but shall fall within the scope of competence of the 104th Shedded Italian Management. And this is a great paragraph, right? The present regulation was drawn up in Italian. In the event of any dispute, the Italian version shall prevail.
1: (laughs) I love that. made me me genuinely lol that when I read that. that's brilliant. (laughs) Ah, That's the most Italian thing ever. So what is today's stage?
0: Yeah. It's just really straight. I mean, really straight. It looks like a stage from the UAE tour. It's completely flat and totally straight. We continue in Emilia-Romagna, but we're heading to the coast. We start in uh, Modena. Um oh, nice. Modena. Yeah. Which is home to, I think you mentioned it in the pod yesterday. Maserati
1: I, and Maserati and Ferrari's just down the road, like 20 k's away in Maranello.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and, and then I, I, I found out that Modena is home to... Oh,
1: I've lost his name oh, And the now. vinegar, balsamic vinegar. Yes. Really nice yeah. balsamic vinegar.
0: A, and... and... And Alessandro Tassoni, the Italian poet, who wrote a masterpiece <laughs> called La Secchia Rapita. And hmm. apparently it's a, it's a comic poem, a comic epic poem, written in the 17th century, the 16th century, about... uh, Sorry, La Secchia Rapita means the trophy bucket, right? Hmm. And it's a, it's a, it's a comedy master, comic poetic masterpiece about the war of the bucket or otherwise known as the war of the oaken bucket that was waged between 1325, in 1325, between the rival city-states of Bologna and Modena. Um, And it was part of, a three hundred year long, a three hundred year long struggle oh. between two warring peoples, the Guelphs and the
1: Ghibellines. You think about two hundred years this in. Up? You think about two hundred years in. You go. Can anyone remember why we're doing this? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Bucket. Exactly. And the bucket was. I th- this. Um. This the, the war of the bucket. Thirteen twenty five was won by the Ghibellines. I think. I think they were the people from Modena and the Guelphs were from Bologna. I might've got that the wrong way around, but they, um, they, they, they got to Bologna, the Ghibellines, and they sacked Bologna. And as a trophy, they took a bucket from a well and took it back to Modena where it hangs to this day in a cathedral.
1: Wow. That kind of that escalated quickly, didn't it? It escal- you just <laughs> Well, or slowly, slowly escalated <laughs> fr- very slowly fr- to fr- the point we just got a bucket yeah yeah
0: (laughs) 300 years of fighting and that's it
1: we just take the bucket just take the bucket i'm telling you just take it we'll hang it up in the cathedral it's like
0: but but, but the the finish lines on the the finish lines on the coast and i think it's going to be a kind of cross headwind and it's going to rain
1: i got actually just a quick one on that um Mm. i visited modena a few years ago and i got taken to to visit Maranello as well, where the Ferrari, it's, like it's almost become Ferrari City Maranello. It's where they've got tracks where they've got their factory, and it's where the original factory was, and the whole town now kind of ex- essentially exists off Ferrari. But um, there's a lovely avenue from Modena to Maranello, tree-lined, and kind of one of those classic Italian sort of principal roads, but clearly hasn't changed much in probably centuries. Um, and the driver it was taking me was, was probably in his 70s early 70s late 60s and he was telling me the story of when he was a kid him and his friends used to ride out on bikes from modena onto that road and sit uh, sit there and just wait for the ferraris to come by and huh. he said it was just you'd hear them coming because they just used to come at the factory and come testing up and down that road and it's like flat yeah. out I just it's painted such an amazing picture of these beautiful like nineteen sixties Ferraris just ripping up and down that road, testing straight out of the factory. And uh and you can imagine all these little Italian boys going out in there on their bikes to to sit yeah, aside lovely. and just wait for them to come come back and forth. There was yeah. I, I would
0: I would acknowledge, you know my attitude towards cars, but I would acknowledge that yeah, when you think of the bygone age, there is a certain romance that I can kind of understand. Yeah. Do you miss do you miss your Maserati? Um, do you miss those days?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I missed it. Was it was it was very it's like a luxurious, liner, wasn't it? It's like a it massive was. That one liner. Was. It was a few different yeah. ones, but no, I do. I, yeah. do. I do love cars, but they're very expensive, aren't they? So quite expensive. And, yeah, you know, getting older and more practical now. <clears throat> yeah. so, Sensible like family man. man. Sensible family man. That's yeah. why I am. That's what's come of me. Did but, I ever tell you about my Ferrari?
0: Have I ever told you about my Ferrari?
1: You've never told me about your Ferrari. That, Ned?
0: There's a Ferrari called the Spider. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it was Alfa Romeo was a Spider.
0: Well, I think this—I think a Ferrari was, had a
1: sp- Spider, was, right? I think possibly, for, they probably so did.
0: I, in around about 2000, 1999, I entered a raffle. Can you remember entering it? Can't remember where I entered it. You know, it's when you filled out a form and chucked it in a bucket, forgot about it. Six months later, I got a phone call. Um, hello, we're calling for the so-and-so raffle and um, uh, congratulations. We're just, uh, just ringing to say, um, to arrange with you When we deliver the Ferrari to you, sir. Sorry? The Ferrari Spider, you have the use of it for a long weekend from Friday to Monday on a weekend of your choice. And I went, that's a bit odd. (laughs) I'm a a, a football reporter and I kind of work, work weekends, but maybe you could drop it off at Sky Sports. So at the office at Sky Sports on a Friday afternoon, this bloke delivered this the silver Ferrari sports car
1: oh, no. to so me. So Spider is the, the root top plus one, right? Yeah, it, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's Calvary, and I sat right in I this think. little
0: bucket racing seat with this Amazing. massive engine just behind my head. And oh. um, I couldn't get it out of the car park. I kept stalling. <laughs> <laughs> also, I turned, the en- I turned the engine and it backfired so loudly that I basically crapped myself, switched it off again and jumped out of the car. I thought it exploded. <laughs> oh my God, I wish I'd witnessed that. But a couple of things, right? I had it for, I had it for four days and only on about day four did I have any kind of control over it at all. (laughs) But, but it was the couple of things. One is I had to, on the Saturday, I had to go to Crystal Palace football grounds to report on the match for Sky. And (laughs) as I turned, I thought, sod it, I'll go in the Ferrari. It was either that or my Fiat Panda. (laughs) So I went in, I went in the Ferrari Spider and as I approached the ground, the stewards, the Marshalls guys, they just waved me into the players car park. Oh, brilliant. Without questioning. And I parked next to um, the, the Crystal Palace team, brother, just pulled up, parked there, got Legendary. out and they just, kind of, they were arriving at the same time. And they just stared at me like, who's this? Who's High-fiving who've we, you. Who've we just signed? <laughs> um, so, uh, so oh. that, but also it was the weekend of the petrol strike, the blockade in the UK. Oh, so, no. so there was no petrol in the country. Yeah. Um, and You could only, eventually you could only, you could buy, you could buy like five pounds worth of petrol. It was was strictly rationed and every petrol station had a queue outside it. But you could jump the queue if you were a key worker. Now, you you know, Kath, she's a nurse. Yeah. Well, I, put her in the, I basically put her in the passenger seat like that, just so I could jump the queue. Oh, so I, that's I, I, awesome. I'd pull up, pull up all these petrol stations where people were in genuine hardship and need were queuing for hours <laughs> to get five pounds. Pa- and I just had this pointless, frivolous Ferrari. And I just went from petrol station to petrol station, using Cath as my legitimate excuse to jump the queue, I kind of slapped in five pounds worth of petrol, which by the time I'd pulled away- got the next gone, petrol station. I'd <laughs> gone a mile up the road. It was kind of done. <laughs>
1: oh god i had no idea about that story that's brilliant yeah yeah i love it yeah i bet uh, john dagencobb hasn't done anything like that eh? Ah, god no no i'm trying no. to speak to him about that oh very right. good um okay. don't forget to click the show notes and um, click the show notes and yeah
0: because we're giving stuff away as we mentioned in our corporate way yeah we're giving stuff away why not well, yeah you might get it. a ferrari
1: we might chuck a ferrari into the mix who knows Could happen six months six years down the line who knows yeah all right bye bye see you bye